The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. The Gospel of the Lord. The skin of the face of Moses was luminous and shed light so bright that those who saw it could not bear it after he spoke in the presence of the Lord. How's that work for us in our prayer? <laughs> but note the... Note the importance of this. On the one hand, we see this reality of the unique relationship of Moses with the Lord, but a relationship that is far surpassed in the person of Jesus, who in his transfiguration goes much beyond this idea of a luminous face as the result of prayer. But what we're seeing here is a very important lesson for all of us, that Regular communication in the presence of the Lord, regular coming before the Lord's face, produces a difference. And it's a difference that Moses himself didn't notice until others recognized it in him. There is a luminosity about life that comes only through prayer. Our world doesn't like to hear a message like this because we like to think that happiness can be acquired and purchased. Even as often as we say we can't buy happiness, what do we try to do every day? We try to buy it. The economy of the Western world is predicated on the notion of buying happiness. So much of how we live in the transactional way we handle our relationships is we often try to manipulate others around us so that we will be happy. We think, and then we become very skilled at projecting a false radiance, a forced happiness, a merely cosmetic brightness that we add to our lives. You know, the culture today on social media of those who seek to be influencers, and what do they do? They carefully pose and stage photographs of themselves in all kinds of locations to create the impression that my life is wonderful and the desire for others to be like that person even though it covers up the imperfections and often the unhappiness and insecurity 
that sit below those things. That is not the luminosity. That is not the radiance that we are speaking of here. This brightness about the face of Moses, which is the result of him coming into the presence of the Lord. And the radiance of the presence of God leaving an effect on his person. What a beautiful statement about the power of prayer. And in this covering of his face, because of the effect it had on the people, and the fact that Moses would then only uncover his face before the Lord, we see something else. The deepest parts of our spiritual life are not necessarily things to be shared lightly. There are elements of our relationship with the Lord that remain between the Lord and us. Moses now does not deal with the world, with Israel, with an unveiled face, except in that moment where he comes forth and he speaks the will of God to the people. And there the light on his face is the sign of where he has gotten his words from. But then it is covered again. Then it is covered. The light remains, but it is less visible until the next time he enters the tent because there will be no covering between Moses and the Lord. He won't wear a veil. He will not wear a disguise. This too is very different from how many of us pray. We come to the Lord incompletely. On the one hand, we say, here I am, Lord, I stand open before you, but I'd rather you didn't look over here. Here I am, Lord, and I am all yours, sort of. But if you could like, not bother that part of me right now, I'd really appreciate it. We come before the Lord, and there's that, temp that temptation in the spiritual life where we try to force ourselves to appear even before God as better than we really are. We try so hard to focus, hoping that God will notice that. But the Lord sees everything, including all that stuff I'm covering over. The Lord sees through every veil. The Lord sees through every disguise. The Lord sees into all dark corners and all shadows. The greatness that we see here of Moses is that he recognizes that. And he doesn't try and cover up. Moses has a luminous face because he doesn't wear a veil over his heart before the Lord. What an important lesson that is for us. That fundamental honesty of the spiritual life where I don't need to pretend before the Lord. And yet how hard it is to break out of that habit, that habit of pretending, that habit of trying to give the impression that I'm more than I am. 
But it's when we open up our full hearts to the Lord that this light of his face, this light of his presence begins to truly transform us, to penetrate us, and to shine forth from us. And notice that it's completely unforced. This is not a power under Moses' control. This is the result of him coming before the Lord in a willingness to receive all that the Lord has for him. How good it is then that we have this reading twinned with this very important teaching of Jesus, this odd teaching of Jesus. At first glance, again, this is one of those parables that at first glance is pretty trivial to understand, but only at first glance. Because the Lord is giving us two very contrasting examples in these parables if we listen carefully. First, he says, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that somebody stumbles on, that somebody discovers. And as he says this, the Lord is putting a very beautiful reality in front of us. One, the field is available. The field is available. But what one sees on the surface of the field is not what is important. And here the Lord is also reminding us our lives are available to us. This world is available. But there is something present within it that is hidden, not apparent on the surface. It is buried. And when something is buried, how do you find it? You dig. And if you don't dig, you don't find the treasure. The treasure doesn't jump out of the field and say, here I am, I've been waiting for you all this time. And yet, the treasure is buried and hidden and waiting to be discovered by that one who will dig. Note the implication here. Somebody has to come to that field and somebody has to actively dig to find the treasure. But then Jesus goes further. The kingdom of heaven is like that treasure that a guy finds in a field, and as soon as he finds it, he buries it again. And we sit there and say, what's going on with that? Why doesn't he take the treasure and just go home? Because the point is not merely the treasure. The point is knowing the field that produces the treasure. So note what the, note what the one who finds the treasure does. 
before he picks it up and runs away all excited that he has a treasure, he recognizes, I first have to secure the possession of the field. The field is available. The field is available to that one who would purchase it. And the field is where the treasure is. And so what does he do? If I want the fullness of the treasure, I have to buy the field. And so before he enjoys the treasure, he does what he must to make sure he will always possess it. And so he leaves and he sells everything else. Know what Jesus is saying here. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable than everything else you have in your life. He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is just as valuable. It is more valuable than anything else you or I have. That is how valuable this treasure is. Because the man doesn't go out and simply sell some of his valuable stuff. He sells it all. So that he can possess the field. Moses didn't come before the Lord with a veil over half of his heart and offer, Lord, only the good half. Moses didn't come before the Lord and open himself only partially to the Lord. He opened himself completely, this one with the luminous face. He gave himself totally into the service of the Lord. And here we see Jesus once again, as he does repeatedly through the Gospels, insists that if our desire for the treasure of the kingdom is real, we need to reorder every one of our priorities, not just some of them, every single one of them in terms of the treasure, the real treasure, the right treasure. When one finds the treasure, it's not enough to pick it up. One has to do what is necessary to fully possess it. What a powerful lesson that is and to do so in a way that no one else comes and steals it from me. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like that. It's like that treasure. Not just any treasure, it's like that treasure. But then he goes on and he gives us a second example and it runs in the opposite direction. First he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. But then he says the kingdom of heaven, and note, he doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. 
He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man, a merchant looking for pearls. Notice how different that is. On the one hand, here is the kingdom, the treasure that's waiting to be found. On the other, here's an active image of the kingdom which is out looking. The kingdom of heaven is not just like a treasure buried in the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant actively seeking pearls. And on finding the pearl of great price, the merchant, now not me, sells all that he has that he might possess it. And to really catch the fullness of the teaching, we have to catch this opposite tendency in the two comparisons Jesus is making. On the one hand, the kingdom of heaven is waiting to be found. On the other hand, the kingdom of heaven is out looking for us. On the one hand, we seek the treasure. On the other, we are the treasure that is sought. Because in flipping it around, Jesus is now looking at his hearers and saying, you are the pearl of great price. So valuable that the kingdom will sell all that it has to possess you. This is what comes to fulfillment on the cross as Jesus gives all that he has for you and for your salvation. And here today at Mass, the double reality of this teaching is present in what we do. This altar, this sanctuary, this shrine in no small measure is like that field where the hidden treasure is found. And how do we find it? We come. We invest ourselves in possessing the field of devotion. And possessing the field, what do we do? We dig. We work the field to encounter the treasure. This is what the regular attendance of Mass means. This is what regularly praying each day at home means. This is what trying to grow in our spiritual life means. Having found the field, I begin to sell so that I might possess it. And possessing it, I work to dig up the treasure. Because the treasure doesn't get exhausted. You don't just dig it up once. The field is filled with treasure. Treasure is hidden in the field. And so I come, and I work it, and I seek to grow. And as often as I work it, I encounter the treasure. But on the other side of it, even as I'm doing that, there is one who is seeking me. In fact, I only do this because he has first looked for me. He has first given himself for me. He has first come looking. He has found me. So we gather here today as the pearls of great price who have been found. 
in the field where together as those pearls, oddly enough, we dig for the treasure that waits for us here. And in this great sacrament, from this altar, Jesus Christ, who gives us this teaching, comes. And on the one hand, he presents himself to us in his body and his blood as that treasure to which we can stretch out our hands and receive. But on the other hand, even as we receive him into ourselves, he seeks us in the hidden center of our hearts. He seeks us. Because he doesn't come simply that we take him into ourselves. He comes to take us into his life, into his goodness. What a remarkably beautiful mystery this is. The Lord who on the one hand is the treasure, and on the other, is the one who seeks for the treasure. And we, who on the one hand are those who seek the treasure, and on the other are the treasure that is sought. But if we are hesitant at that statement of selling all that one has to possess the field, note the example of the merchant. Because Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't already done himself. And he is that one who has sold everything for the sake of the pearl, for the sake of you. And so he asks the pearl, unveil your face. Come to me with true openness. Lay aside all of those things that the treasure of life that I promise might be yours. Amen.